talk about resentment and criticism, but first let's go through resentment and how it affects us and what it does to us. Up until now, we have been adding things. We've added goal setting and subconscious mind and desire and listening and appreciation and many things. Now we're going to talk about taking something out, removing a cancer that can eat us alive. We can do everything else right. If we don't handle this, we butt up against it and stop our movement. So it's so important how we do this. So let me ask you this question. How many have been used and unappreciated? How many of you have been treated downright ugly for no reason? If you aren't careful, that'll start resentment. Resentment starts small and grows. Let's recognize resentment for what it is and get it out of our life. Don't tolerate it at all. It's cancer of the spirit. If we're not careful, we're full of resentment. It's like a volcano. When something touches us and sets us off, it's not about that. It's about that volcano that's inside of us, stirred up by the resentment. People in church that resent the pastor, they lose their joy. You won't have joy if you have resentment. When I was back helping a black guy at the bank, after several weeks, we were having coffee one day in the coffee room at the bank. I looked at him, I said, your growth has stopped. You're not moving forward. Who do you resent? He said, what do you mean? I said, your growth has stopped. You're butt up against something. Tell me about it. He said, well, it's about my father. I resent him. I hadn't been to see him in years and years. He calls. I don't talk to him. I don't have nothing to do with him. You know, he, he said, when I was in the 10th grade, he ran off and left my mother and my grandmother and I and my brothers and sisters. I quit school and went to work. I said, well, where does he live? He told me. We're going to have to plan something for you to go see him. Take your children. Tell him you love him. You're going to bury the hatchet and leave the handle under the ground. Because now you go back and picking up your hatchet every time you think about it and you relive the moment. It's just flat not good for you and it bleeds over on your family. He said, I don't know about it. I said, well, think about it a few days. We'll talk about it. And we'll pray about it and see. So we started that. It was coming a holiday. It was going to be a Friday that the bank was going to close. He's going to be off Saturday and Sunday and go back to work Monday. He said, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to call him. I'm going to go see him. I'm going to drive down on Friday and visit with him and come back. I said, okay. Tell him you love him. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him you forgive him. 
and the hatchet's buried with the handle under the ground. He said, okay. So he got down there. He got down there, and he's there Friday night. He's there all day Saturday. And it was Sunday, and it was getting about time for them to drive back home, and he hadn't done it. He said, I went in the bedroom and prayed. He said, I didn't want to come back up here and face you after taking this long trip and not doing what I said. I said, well, good. He said, I went in the bedroom and prayed and said, I just walked out of the bedroom here. My dad was sitting on the couch, and I just walked right up in front of him because he's married and had another family. They were all there. I walked up and looked at him. I said, Dad, what I really came for is to tell you that I love you. I forgive you. I hope you can forgive me for my bad attitude. And he called his two children, had a boy and a girl. He called them up and said, now this is your granddad. You've never met him. But he's a great guy and we love him. Go hug his neck and tell him you love him. And they did. I said, what happened then? He said, the whole house started crying. My daddy didn't know what to think. He jumped up and started hugging me and the babies he hugged. It was such a beautiful thing. I said, how did it make you feel? He said, it was such a relief. I just felt absolutely free. So be willing to give it up. Don't hold on to it. It's poison. Don't know what he did. You tell them to forgive somebody? You don't know what he did to me. He jerked my heart out and dropped it on the ground and kicked it. And you expect me to forgive that? I said, you're drinking the poison, expecting it to kill him. He don't even know what's going on. You're holding on to it. And it's going to get bigger and bigger. It's the proverbial cancer of the spirit. People want to hold on to it. We had this class next morning. This guy, I knew him. He walked in my office, steam coming out of him. He walked in and sat down. He said, you know about me and you know about my brother and sister and my mother. You know all about that, don't you? I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, you taught that class last night about that, and we had that meeting about that and said, I don't have anything to do with my brother and sister. I said, really? And what brought that on? Well, I've done better than they have, and he had, and I can help my mother more than they can, and they resent me over it. I said, really? How's your mother feel? Well, she has to have the help to make it, and I'm glad I can help her. I love my mother. You know, her daddy died when we were young. She raised us by herself. He said, but now I'm doing better, and they resent me. And I said, it sounds to me like you resent them more than they do you. I don't know them. He said, well, what do you think? I said, I think you need to call and make an appointment with your brother. And his sister hey, is in a town about 30, 40 miles away and drive over there and tell them you love them. 
that you forgive them. The main thing is you're hoping they can forgive you. He said, the way it is now, I call my mother. They're not allowed to be at the house when I go see her. She knows what day I'm going to come, and I go over there, and I spend time with my mother. They're not allowed to come to the house. <laughs> my goodness. Aren't you a deacon at your church? Are you learning that? Where are you getting this at? He said, well, I'm not going to stand for it. I'm the one doing more than anybody else, and they can't resent me for that and blah. I said, hey, man, hey, let's pray about it. How are you going to defend this? You're too good a guy to have this kind of behavior. You know better than this. It's terrible. Let me ask you something. What's it doing to your little mom? You think she enjoys this, seeing her children carrying on like this? Are you man enough to call and go? Boy, he looked like a wilted flower. He said, I guess I am, Virgil. I said, you need to bury the hatchet and leave the handle under the ground. Get on with it. Long story short, he called, made an appointment with his brother, made one with his sister, told him what time he'd be there. He drove over there and went up in the, on that farmhouse, knocked on the door. His brother and his sister-in-law were there, and they came to the door said, what do you want? He said, I'd like to talk to you. What's it about? I need, can I come in? Will you let me in, in the house? I want to talk to you. Reluctantly, they let him in the house. And he, he walked in and he looked at his brother and he said, I want you to forgive me. I am so sorry for how I've acted. I'm dead wrong. And I hope your wife can forgive me for the way I've treated you. I've been terrible. And if you can forgive me, this will never happen again. His brother started crying. They hugged each other. It was like a revival meeting. He said, I felt so great when I left there. I couldn't wait to get to my sister's house. He jumped in the car and went to his sister's house. It's about the same scene, except she had her husband there. They know what he's going to do. He's going to thrash him if he needed it. Same way, he finally got in the house. He looked at her and he said, I hope you can forgive me. I've been so wrong. I'm so sorry. On and on and on. Same way, they all broke down and cried and rejoiced and hugged each other. Well, they all put in big gardens. They put in a big garden. They'd call him and his wife and say, hey, come over. A bunch of stuff in the garden's ready. Come gather all you want, and we'll help you. And both of them had big gardens, and they'd gather stuff out of the garden and take it home one day. He pulled up in my driveway. I hadn't seen him in a while. Raised the trunk on his car. I said, what are you doing? He said, this has meant so much, and my mother is so happy. Virgil, this changed everything in our family. When I had the guts to go do this and let the Lord help me and say, all this stuff is yours. There's a whole trunk full of everything you could think of out of a garden. Tickle my wife to death. He said, they want to say thank you for getting me to do this. Our life has changed. 
It is so much better. So let's unload this stuff for you. Well, it made me cry. Why? Get rid of the resentment. Get rid of the resentment. Let's recognize resentment and accept it for what it is. Don't tolerate it at all. Get rid of it. Be willing to give it up. Don't hold on to it. Work at seeing things from the other person's point of view. Seeing things from their point of view does not change the fact, but it helps alleviate the pain. When we quit thinking about self and realize that what we're doing affects them, with resentment, we need to recognize what it's doing to us. I had a guy come, and he's the same way. He had reached a point, and he wasn't doing any good, and he'd stay late. He'd, we'd be to class at 11 o'clock at night, and he's still there talking. We were visiting. He'd helped me do everything. I loved the guy. Great guy. Had a big-time job. I said, what is your resentment? You don't know? I said, I don't have a clue. But if you show you've got something going on, he said, I do. I said, what is it? Would you tell me? said, yep, I'll tell you. I hate my daddy. I said, you hate your dad? Yes. Yes. My dad never tried to do good. We lived in a town about 100 miles away. He said, we grew up in a little old house. Dad never worked all the time. We just kind of got by a little bit. And said, my brother and I slept on a sleeping bag in the kitchen. We never had a bed. I didn't have a bed till I left home. We'd roll our sleeping bags out and sleep in them at night in the kitchen. My mother would get up early and be fixing breakfast and making coffee and doing things. My brother and I would jump up, roll our bedrolls up, put them up for the next night. He said, my dad, he just did act like he cared. He said, I grew up. I thought, man, I'm never going to do a family like this. This is terrible. And I just developed, said, now that I've done so well, I call and tell my mother I want to come see her. She wants me to come see her, but uh, he can't be there. I said, really? Yeah. I tell him he can't be there. I want him gone. If he's there, I'm not coming in the house. I said, wow, you're pretty tough. You're pretty tough to do that. He said, yeah, I know it. I said, you're going to give it up? I don't plan to. I said, let's start praying about it. Let's start thinking about it. And you get your healthy self-image going to really get you well. You're drinking the poison, expecting it to kill him. It's not good. I know it. Think about it. Pray about it. Next week he came. He said, well, I've been thinking about it, talking about it with my wife, and I think you're right. I'm going to do it. Father's Day was coming up. I said, Father's Day's coming. Why don't you call him? Ask him if you could come see him and have him be there. You want to bring him a present? He said, wow, i never done that. What would you get him? Well, he likes jumpsuits. He likes those nice jumpsuits. I said, go buy him the best one you can find. 
Buy him the best one you can find that you You know his size? Yeah, I think I could figure it out. I said, we'll get it, have it wrapped up real special. Tell them you're coming, and you want them both to be there. Okay, I'll do it. Well, that Saturday, he was off. So he drove down there. It's 100 miles away. He said, when I got there, I went up on the door and went in. My mother and daddy's there sitting and they're looking like a tree full of owls. They didn't know what I was going to do, been so bad about things. He said, I just walked in, looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, I love you. I want you to forgive me. I've been terrible. You don't deserve this. And if you can forgive me, none of this will happen again. And by the way, happy Father's Day. Here's your present. I said, what happened? He said, my mother started just crying and crying and crying. I said, you've been breaking her heart, man. You've been breaking her heart. Heal the whole thing. Heal the whole thing. He said, maybe my brother will do it too. I said, if he don't, you keep on. Changed his whole world. Changed his whole world. Got rid of the resentment. Hey, it's terrible for your health. I know a guy, I think it killed him. We were in the same Bible study. A real prominent lawyer had more money than you could count. And all of us thought he killed him because he wouldn't give it up. He wouldn't give it up. Pray and ask God to help you with resentment through his love. Pray for the person also. Pray. Pray. I had a guy call me as a counter. And said, I ain't talked to you about something. I said, what's that? My mother and daddy got into it last night. They had both drinking. My daddy roughed her up and said a bunch of things. She kicked him out of the house. And called me. I went over there. Kind of a peacemaker. You could tell he's mad as he'd be. And he said, I'm on my mother's side, and I told him I'd never have anything to do with him again. He run a business right around the corner from his office, and he went on like that for a good while. And I just sat there looking at him. I, when he got through, I said, uh, are you sure you want to live like this? Are you the judge, the jury, and the executioner? How does that make you feel? I said, you're like a German shepherd dog. You're the guard dog. They're going to both wind up mad at you, and you're going to be the loser because you've accepted this resentment. He said, what do you think I ought to do? I said, I think you ought to get out, out of this office right now and walk around the corner there and go in your daddy's business and hug him and tell him you love him. When you get healthy, he can't do anything to make you not love him. Be bigger than that. You got such a small amount of love that they got to measure you like a keeping fish? Go around there and tell him you love him. It's not helping your mother for you to hate him. Boy, he had tears running down his face. He said, I'll go do it right now. He got up and walked around and did it. <laughs> Healed the whole thing. 
His mother and daddy was back together in three, two or three days. Why? Get rid of it. Quit carrying it. It's a terrible thing. Here and here's what people think. They resent something, and they get to doing real good, and they think they don't have to put up with it anymore. I walked in this friend of mine's office, made a lot of money. Good guy. You got to love him. I walked in there, and he's mad. I said, man alive, what's wrong with you? Well, that banker, you ought to heard what he said to me, and he said this, and he said that, and go. I said, hey, don't act like that. Be bigger than this. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get the SOB fired because he probably could. He's on the board and everything else. I said, now, who's that going to help? How's that going to make you feel? You're letting somebody else control your life. If somebody makes you mad, who's in control? They are. You're not. What do you think I ought to do? I think you ought to apologize to him. Well, I'm not going to do it. I don't have to take that blankety-blank anymore. I said, you keep this attitude, you probably will in the future. And you're going to get to eat these words. Think about it. Pray about it. A couple of days he called me. He said, you know, you're right. I went and call, I went to see him, talked to him, told him how upset I was, and that I was sorry, that I forgive him, and said we're good friends again. Who wins? Everybody. If you don't do it, who wins? Nobody. It don't take Einstein to figure that out. We all know. We all know about that. This stuff just goes on and on and on. A accountant called me and said, I've been retained to help a guy and told me his name and his wife. He said, you know him? I said, I don't really know him. I know the name. I know where they farmed and I know about it, but I don't know him. I didn't do business with him. I don't know. He said, well, let me tell you, it's like a fictitious letter to Ann Landers. This guy attempted suicide. He's filing for bankruptcy. The IRS have him. The bank won't loan him any money. He's had a nervous breakdown. He can't get out of the house, and his wife has got a job with the government. She makes him a living. I said, golly, bum. So I've been asked by the bank and everybody to help him work out of this. He's got enough assets and talents. He could pay the money and not have to go through this. I'm going to put him in those lessons. And if you'll tolerate him and his wife, they're going to come. I'll pay for him, and I'll put it on his bill. Would you do that? I said, if we can help him, bring him on. If we can't, I'll tell you. So here he comes, big old, big old stout guy come walking in. <laughs> He, he'd sit on one side of the room, his wife had sat on the other. They wouldn't even sit together, and I didn't laugh, but it was funny. So the night we got down to this class, when it was over, he said, this is uh, what I deal with. I hate my mother. I said, you hate your mother? Yes. I don't have nothing to do with her. I said, where does she live? She lives up in the northwest, way up there. 
And you hate her. I said, yes, sir, I do. If she calls, I tell her, I give her a cussing. I cuss her till she hangs the phone up. I said, man, yeah. I said, we need to get together and talk about this if you want to. I want to. I said, okay. We need to do this at night when we're not working and got time. So they picked a night and drove over. I had a lady that had been through some heartache. And I, when you're dealing with people like that with their self-image, they'll say you say things you didn't say and interpret them wrong, and they could pass a lie detector because they really believe them. I'm going to get into that right now. So I have a witness. I had a witness there. We sitting in this coffee room at the office, four of us. And I said, tell me about this. Well, I tell you what, my dad, you know, my mother died, and my dad remarried, and this is my stepmother, but she raised us and go on and on. And when my dad died, she got control of all the land and kicked me and my brother off and just, I said, and this is your response? I, he said, I hate her. I said, you know, that's the reason why you're like you are. You're going to have to give it up. I ain't going to do it. I said, you're going to give it up. I ain't going to do it. I said, we're going to pray about it. His wife leaned over and said, don't you know we're agnostic? I said, no. But Jesus loves you whether you like it or not. You don't have to like him for him to love you. So we're going to pray about this. I said, in fact, Joe, you got till noon Wednesday. We're going to pray, all of us, and you're going to call her, tell her you love her, or I'm through. You can't be helped. You got more chain you can swim with. You're going to drown in the game of life. And we said, well, I need the help. I said, you're going to have to call your mom and tell her you love her. So this is like on a Monday, so Tuesday morning early, I called him. I said, you been praying about it? Not really. I said, well, I am. I am. The Lord's going to answer our prayer. You're going to call her. Or I'm done. I love you, man, but I can't waste my time on somebody who won't try. And you're bound up. Okay, see you later. <clears throat> on the phone up. That afternoon, I called him again. I said, are you thinking about this? Yeah, I'm thinking about it a little more. And I prayed a little bit today at lunch. Okay, keep praying. Hung the phone up. Next morning, Wednesday morning, I called him. I said, you know, you just got so many hours till lunch. You got to call her. You're going to be bound. You got to get rid of this. I know. I'm going to think about doing it. I said, well, I hope you do. I hope you do. God can heal that if you'll let him. So here's what happened. I he came back to class and told this story. Made them all cry. Just about. Big crowd. He said, I dialed up my mother. She answered the phone. I told her who it was. She'd already cried. So I'm so glad you called. I, I've been wanting to talk to you for years, and you've let me on. And I said, hey, Mom, wait just a minute. Well, just a minute now, just calm down, be quiet. I got something I got to tell you. He said, she just kept finding. I said, Mom, please be quiet. I got something I got to tell you. She said, what is it? He said, I want to tell you I love you. I forgive you. 
I am so sorry for my behavior. If you can find it in your heart to forgive me, everything's going to be great. She just started crying and crying when she got her composure. She said, I never did hate you. I've always loved you. He said when that happened, he told the class, he acted this out. He said it was like a great rock. A huge rock was his words, came out of my chest. I felt so free. I felt so free. I am so light. Everything is working. He stayed, kept the reading, he kept the tapes, he kept the CDs, he kept the material, and he kept praying, changed him and his wife's life. He went back to college. He couldn't even get out of the house. Got the IRS settled, got the bankruptcy settled, got a job, became a productive human being. What happened? He got rid of this resentment. If we allow that to do us, hey, it'll sink the biggest aircraft carrier you can find. And we don't need to get where we think we're so good. We don't have to play by the rules. Be big enough to love and forgive, even if you don't think they deserve it. And they may not, but that's not the issue. What Jesus say on the cross, hey, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Hey, we're not facing crucifixion. We may face crucifixion of the Spirit, but we're not going to hang us on the cross. If Jesus can hang on the cross and ask Him to forgive them, we can sure forgive somebody that we think has insulted us. Pope John Paul, when he was shot, National Geographic had a little article. It was probably two inches by four inches in the year explaining what happened and how he felt. He, he told him when he got well, he said, I got to go see this guy. He's in prison there in Italy. You can imagine all the security has got to be involved for Pope John Paul to go into prison. They already bought him a bubble car. Not everybody loves the Pope like we do. Long story short, he insisted, so he gets his way. They take him to the prison. He goes in and stands in front of the bars, looks this guy in the eye, they shot him. Shot him, pointed his finger and said, Lord bless you. I want you to know that I forgive you and that I love you. I'm sorry for what you've done. I'm sorry you got yourself locked up. But you can know that I love you and I forgive you. They said they had more mail off of that little two-by-four article that year than any other article they had in the whole magazine. Why? It was all about forgiveness. Hey, everybody's dealing with it. So let the therapy of God deal with you. Let the therapy of God. 
Nobody has any power over you that you don't give them. Somebody says, I'll get him. I'll get him one day. I'll get my chance. I'll line him up. You know you have arrived when you have the power to squash this person and you don't have to. It happens. You can squash them and you don't have to. You know, I told a guy here a while back, I said, you know what you need to do? He said, no, what? I said, you need, he's in a big old warehouse. I said, you need to run outside, look straight up, point both fingers in the air and holler, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving you and getting rid of your bad attitude. This guy's daughter got pregnant. Been dating for a long time, as in high school. She's still in high school. He's in high school. He's a football hero. She's in everything, too. She's pregnant. And let me tell you what, this guy's bad. Real bad. His wife brought him in. We sat down. I knew him. We sat down. And I said, Tell me about it. Boy, I'm telling you now, he went on. I said, You better cool off. What do you mean? I don't have to. I'm going to do I said, hey, it doesn't matter if you kill him or not. He's still going to be the daddy of the baby. Do you think that's going to please your daughter? For you to get the guy that got her pregnant? She's crazy about him. What's that going to put you? Are you the judge, jury, executioner? You don't want to live with that. Bear the hatchet. Bear the hatchet and stop this. Boy, I mean his wife was his wife was on him too. I said, this is gonna eat you alive. You need to forgive and love. Those babies are gonna be here. They're gonna be your grandchildren. What are you gonna do then? What if he takes her and goes off? You never see them again. They can disappear to Mexico. What would you do? I'd go get him. I said, yeah, I'll go get him. Terrible. He said, okay, what do you think? I said, you need to love the guy. And don't badmouth him to your daughter. Remember, if you criticize him to your daughter, she's going to defend him with her life. In my defenselessness, my safety life, I got a sign on the wall in my office that says that. So people can see it. Quit it. Long story short, he did it. Oh, it couldn't have turned out any more beautiful. It could have turned out, actually, the, the guy wound up working for him. They loved each other. They got along, and they did great. What happened? He buried the hatchet. When he's thinking about getting him, it's all about him. It sure ain't about his daughter. And the baby, how are you going to hate a baby? Tell me how to handle that. I don't know. I don't want to know. Take all this and bury it. I had a lady, that, sweet lady, beautiful. She 
won the title in Miss Texas. Great lady. She had all this resentment eating her up. She said, I got to do something about this. I said, you really do. I'm glad you admit it. So what do you think I ought to do? I said, well, let's think about it a minute. Where are you most comfortable in your house? She said, well, it really in my bedroom. I'm real comfortable in there. It's a good, good spirit. No bad stuff. Everything good. I said, well, tomorrow when the baby goes to school, your husband's gone to work, lock the front door. Don't answer the phone. Don't answer the doorbell. And go in there and get down on your knees and pray and ask God to take this out of your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Everything. And that you give it all to Him. I said, I'll tell you what's better than that. Imagine that you are putting this all in a dumpster bag, the things you put in a plastic bag to dump in the dumpster dumpster that the trash man picks up. I said, wow. Can you do that? Don't keep any of it. Put it all in the bag. Big one. Get a big one. One of those with a tie on top. And put it all. Remove it all. Stay and think and pray and relax and feel the love of God and ask Him and put it in the dumpster and in the bag. When you do... You could actually get a bag and imagine this, tie it up and take it out and drop it in the dumpster dumpster. It's gone forever. You'll never see it again because the Lord has removed it. You know, she did that. Changed her whole life. Changed her deal with her mama, with everybody. What happened? Got rid of the resentment. Quit carrying it around. It's terrible. It's terrible. Dr. Carl Manager says, attitude is more important than facts. Make things right as near as you can. You can know down deep within yourself you have tried, and this will add power to your life. Your motive is pure. It will improve. I had a friend of mine call me and said, I'm off today. I got three days laid off. Are you going to be there? I said, sure. I'm going to come see you. I said, come on. Boy, he came in there. He looked like 40 miles of bad road. Sat down. Nice guy. I said, what's going on with you? You look awful. He said, let me tell you what happened. I said, tell me. He said, you know, the dirt blowed yesterday and the wind was high. I said, yeah. I was on a pole over there by the school. He worked for the phone company. I forgot to say that. He said, I was on a pole over there by the school working on some telephone lines and getting them fixed. And my boss called me up, and I thought he got really smart with me. He said, I just... Told him I'd beat the office in a minute. He said, I just climbed down that pole, dropped my tools right there, didn't pick them up, got in my pickup, and went straight to the office. 
When I got there, I walked in. His eyes was big. He's sitting behind that desk. This guy's a big old tough guy. He reached over and got him by the shirt, straightened him up, and knocked him against the wall. The chair fell over. He crumpled to the ground. He boxed him around two or three more times. And they got him off of him. And if he wasn't such a good worker, they'd have fired him. So they gave him three days off and wrote him up. He said, I got to change. That's terrible. I just lost it. I said, you full of resentment. He said, yes, I am. I don't like this and I don't like that. I said, you got to get over that if you're going to make it. I said, would you take some material? I will do anything you say. I said, well, get you some material. Here's the books. Get the CDs and start listening. Going to church telling your family you love them and start doing these things. And I said, in the meantime, how long take you to get healthy? He said, I don't know. I need to fix it. I need to fix it now. I said, people are afraid of me. I said, what made you think that? He said, well, here a while back, we were there in the office and they were giving a message on attitude telling us before we went to work so when they finished, I didn't say anything. I just started to the water fountain real quick. He said, everybody scattered. I scared them. I said, well, can you blame them? Man, listen, you're like a roaring bull. You need to become a bundle of love. I know it. Go apologize. Go tell them you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. And do more work than you've ever done. He did that. He did that. Now, occasionally, they would send someone from a district office out to ride with some of the telephone repairmen and ask them questions. Well, when before he changed, they had sent him to the far corner of the county where nobody could find him. They didn't want nobody talking to him. This guy do the work. Me good and he nice. But he had this temper. He had this resentment. So they were coming. And he asked his boss, he said, could you let him talk to me this time? He said, well, I don't know. You ready for this? He said, yeah, I'd like to talk to him. Okay. Where are you going to be today? He told him. It's raining. It's cold. He was up there at a house in a good part of town rewiring some stuff for a telephone. These people came up. as two of them. One was a lady. And they went in, got him, said, we'd like to visit with him, put him in the back seat of the car, and he's sitting there, and he said, uh, before we start, could I tell you something? I said, sure. He said, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate the telephone company and how good they've been to me. My wife and I have adopted some children, and we got children, and we've got to live on the edge of town. We got horses, and we got saddles, and we ride, and we can rope, and we take part. And I'll tell you, it's just a beautiful life. And it's all because of this good job I got with the telephone company. And I want to say thank you. They wrote that up, took it in. In a year and a half, he was a district manager. What happened? 
He gave it up. He gave it up. He gave it up. Refuse to let anyone make you resent them. Be big enough. They're not in control. You are. You have the choice how you choose to respond. We choose to respond with love and understanding and kindness. Stay in control. That's the number nine fruit of the Spirit. Pray them every day. Bear the resentment. Refuse to let it be part of your life. And great things will happen for you. You're not carrying around this baggage. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about criticism and how this fits in the whole scheme of things. Everyone's going to deal with it. How many of you have ever been criticized? Everybody has. How are we going to handle it? Are we going to be better? Are we going to be worse? Are we going to give them power or not? Criticism is a way of getting even destroying the other person. It hurts us or you or me more than ever. It's me drinking the poison, expecting it to kill them. And I'm trying to kill them. And what causes criticism? Two things. Fear and inferiority feelings. I am trying to cut you down to my level. I don't see myself as rising to your level. I'm going to cut you down right out of self-image. It's fear and inferiority in a marriage, in a divorce, children. If you start criticizing, you make them defend them. We just talked about that. How many of you know the boy that married the wrong girl because the parents criticized her? He's going to defend her. It's human nature, and that's what they will do. The kid's doing something wrong, employee's doing something wrong. It's terrible to criticize. Let me tell you this story. In writing crop insurance, now, there was a guy that my friends introduced me to, and he was the guru of crop insurance for the Panhandle. He had $5 million worth of premium, not coverage, premium income every year. He could go and write that much, and it was scattered all the way from Midland back to Seymour and up to the Panhandle which is exactly what the insurance companies want because their risk is so scattered. It's not going to hail on every one of these, and the ones it does hail on, they can really pay them. It's a great situation, and this guy had it. New, being new to the business and not knowing, he helped me so much. He was so nice to me. He really went out of his way and had a big year. Had a big year, had a lot of help. Come fall, when it was over, 
he had a falling out with the company he was with. And he started going around calling on all these agents, criticizing them. He'd been with them for years, and all of a sudden he turned on them, and he's bad-mouthing them. It's like in a marriage. It's like in a divorce. It's terrible. Well, he did this all the way around. He started in about October, and I was right on his path of his travel. He'd stop a lot and tell me all this stuff. He'd criticize them, criticize them, criticize them. Come in the spring when it come time to write, this guy with $5 million worth of premium income, he wasn't writing nothing. He wasn't writing any policies. He had spent the winter and early spring traveling and criticizing. So I looked up one day, and the owner of the company and him walked in the office and just sat down. I said, what's going on, guys? So we need your help. I said, what do you need? We're not writing any business. All this business we had, we've had for years, it's gone. We're not writing any. We don't know why. Nobody will tell us. We can't find out. I said, well, I don't want to tell you. Well, we picked you out. We thought if anybody would tell the truth about it, you would. And that's why we're here. I said, well, I don't believe I can do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be involved. They said, you know, don't you? I said, yes, sir, I know. You're not going to tell us? I said, no. I got too much respect for Mr. So-and-so here. I like him. I like him. I'm not going to tell you. They sat there and went on and on and on and on, begging. Finally, I said, well, as a favor, if you think that's what you want to hear, I'm going to tell you. They said, we want to know. That's why we drove down here. They drove, they drove about 50 miles to get there. I said, as much as everybody loves him, he started in the fall and saw all his agents and spent the whole winter and early spring criticizing he has criticized and criticized and criticized. Nobody wants to do business with a guy like that as much as, as much as they love him. Hey, they all got options. We all got options. He said, that's it. And I said, that's it. That's what did it. I said, that's what did it. We didn't know. I said, I didn't think you did. Usually the person doing that don't even recognize it. They think that's normal because it's all about them. He said, you going to write any business with us? I said, no, sir. No, sir. I'm not going to play. Did that guy in. He went from the top of the heap to minus. He lost his job. It ruined his health. Hey, he didn't live very long. What happened? The criticism. He wiped his own self out. It is terrible. Competitive in business or otherwise in friendships. Remember, we treat people like we see them in our subconscious mind. We want to see them like Jesus did. Hey, when you pray the fruits of the Spirit and the first one is love, pray 
that you look at the world through his eyes of love, that you see the good, that you're looking for the good. You dwell on the good. And see what it does for your life. Get rid, get rid of the criticism. The paradigm, how we look at it, how we see it. You know the deal about in my defenselessness, my safety lies. We don't play. We don't defend ourselves. We don't answer that. When someone criticizes you, here's the answer. Wonder why they said that. And shut up. That's the only answer. People get overwhelmed with the answers. They say, you can't believe that. You have to use that to see how that reacts and responds when they talk. I don't care what they said. Wonder why they said that. It disarms everybody. I had a guy call me when we had the spraying business and said, can you meet me out at the headquarters tomorrow about 2? I said, yeah, I'll be there. This guy farmed the world. Been trying to get his business forever. Once you got it, he never changed. He'd stay with you all his life. He literally would. So... I went out there and met him. He said, get in the pickup. I want to go show you. I got in the pickup with him. He drove around. He said, now, this place here is a, is a section with a mile-long quarter on it. Now, this is a half a section the judge owns. These two sections here belong to so-and-so. I knew all that, but I didn't tell him. I'm writing it down and telling me. And he said, and there's a half a section out the other side, and and there's a half a section, he's just naming all, I'm writing it all. I knew where one of them were. I was writing them all down, getting the landlords and their addresses. He said, would you like to know why I called you? I said, I really would. I said, you know, we've been wanting your business forever. He said, well, let me tell you what happened. Yesterday, I called so-and-so, your competitor. I like him. I've been trading with him a long time. I know y'all don't need the business, but he needs it bad, particularly account the size of mine. And I called him out, and he came out. We were going to go around and look just like we are. And he, when I pulled out here and got on the road, he started criticizing. He criticized everybody in town that was in the same business with him. He bad-mouthed them all and said, when he got to you, <laughs> he let you have it. I said, really? Well, I like him. I think he's a nice guy. Well, let me tell you, he don't like you. He let you really have it. He said, I heard so much of that, it made me sick. He said, I just drove around this one section. I brought him back and told him, thank you very much. See you later. Let him drive off. That's when I called you. You're going to get it all. Well, the size of that thing was tremendous, but greater than that, he was such an influence that when you got his business, you got everybody around him. He stayed with you forever. Forever. But he wouldn't listen to the criticism. 
my heart went out to the other guy. He doesn't realize what he's doing to himself. Hopefully, you and I can realize what we're doing to ourselves. The criticism is cancer. Get rid of it. Let me tell you another story like that up north. This guy was the corn grower of the year. He won the big contest. Won it. And he went in to see this guy that, that he bought his seat off every year. They were friends. He went in. And he said when he walked in and told him, he just started criticizing all the seed dealers in this trade territory. The things they'd do, the things they wouldn't do, and blah, blah, blah. He sat there. He said, I sat there and listened to that a few minutes. And I said, well, okay, good to see you. Walked out. Got in his pickup and drove down to the other seed dealer and bought it all from him. The guy still don't know what happened. What about criticism? Don't do it. You know, Elmer T. Letterman, in his famous book, Personal Power Through Creative Selling, makes this statement about profanity. He discusses every phase of selling. That's the Bible on selling if you want the book. When he comes to profanity, three words, don't do it. When we come to criticism, three words, don't do it. If you can't keep from criticizing, stay home. Stay home. So when they ask us, he said this about you, he said that, don't defend it. Use the question, wonder why he said that. Wonder why they do that. Look for things to admire for the good. Think about that. Pray the fruits of the Spirit. The subconscious mind, how we see people, we want to change with reading, with reading the Bible, with listening to the CDs, with prayer, with how we treat our family. Hey, listen, there's no such thing as a little bit pregnant. And there's no such thing as being a little bit of a servant. You know, a lot of times now in the interviews, they take their wife. The company wants to see their wife. We practice this a lot with people wanting to learn how to interview. What you tell them is, we act it out. When you take your wife to this interview, the reason they have asked her, they're going to have somebody professional there is they want to see how you interact with your wife and how you treat her. When you go in, you're going to get her chair. You're going to sit her down first and make sure she's comfortable. Are you just like you want to be, baby? Okay. Then you go around and you sit down. You always defer to her. If you're not a servant in the home, you won't be in the marketplace. That costs people their jobs and interviews treating their wife like she don't matter. He's going to treat the customers the same way. Terrible. Besides that, it's not right. Pray the fruits of the Spirit. Pray those every day. I got a friend who started praying these, and he's a big-time speaker, and he, he really runs with the gurus. I won't call the names. They say, how do you do this? He said, I pray the fruits of the Spirit. Every day. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Get Max Lucado's book, When God Whispers Your Name. He has that list in there and what he says about the fruits of the Spirit. Don't, don't be mad at people that criticize you. They don't know it, but they feel inferior. That's why they're trying to cut you down. That's not even worth taking, taking the bits out of your mouth, let alone unsaddle. Just leave it alone. If you ever want to criticize, look at your own image. Say something good. When someone starts criticizing someone else to you and say, what do you think about it? You know, here a while back, everybody was ganged up in our coffee room early one morning, drinking coffee and visiting, talking about things before they went to work. And they were telling about a guy there that had uh, his in-laws that got him alone. He opened a restaurant. Well, he'd had it a while, and it was doing pretty good, and he went there one morning, and there's a sign on the front door. Closed, gone. Well, he'd run off with a young waitress, took all the money, and gone up to the mountains. They were, what do you think about that? I was walking through there on my way to do something. They said, what do you think about that, Virgil? I said, I think. I believe he's the best softball player I ever saw. They just roared. We knew you'd say something like that. I said, what are you gaining talking about this guy? And he really is. I tell you what, that guy can play. He can do it all. He's good. They said, that ain't what we're talking about. I said, I know. But this is a lot better. Say something good about him. When you do, most of them will stop it. Pray for God to help you. Pray that we get bigger than that. When you get bigger than that, you don't waste any time criticizing someone and putting them down or resenting them doing good. Work on it till it's automatic thought process. You know, a guy came to see me here a while back and he left and I walked up front and the secretary said, what's he doing here to see you? He's a competitor. I said, well, he made a big sale. Biggest one he ever made. Several thousand dollars commission, and he came to tell me about it. He said, really? I said, sure. Why? I said, he knows I'll rejoice with him. We want to cultivate the habit of seeing everybody do good. Only small, you know, Joel Osteen says, only small-minded people get jealous. One year, the company I was working for At the end of the year, they said, what we would like to do as an additional bonus for you, Virgil, the accountant and owner was sitting there, so we'd like you to take your wife up to Amarillo or anywhere and buy her any kind of car she wants, sign a ticket on it, and we'll send them a check. I said, really? We've had a big year. And you've been part of it, and we want to do that for you. I said, well, y'all been awful good to me. He said, well, this is on top of all of that. We know how you feel about your wife. Take her up there, let her pick out whatever she wants. 
So, boy, we took off. I mean, we went up here. We went and started looking at cars and looking at cars. I said, baby, you just get the one you want. You're the one running the world. I'm just carrying the bags and wiping off the windshield. She just laughed. Come to find out she wanted. That is back when they made the big Oldsmobiles. She got an Oldsmobile 98 with everything you could think of to put on it. And what it didn't have, they put it on it. We signed a ticket. Went home. She said, I don't want to go in. I'm going to take it around the corner and show my friend. I say, I said, you do whatever you want to. I'm going to take it around the corner. I want, I want to go show her my new car. It's the first big car we ever had. She went around the corner and pulled in the driveway, went to the door, and her said, come see my new car, called her by name. And she just wilted. Said, you should have seen the look on her face. It really was terrible. She could not rejoice with me and my new car. I said, babe, don't feel bad about that. Just enjoy your car. Nobody can make us feel bad unless we want them to. We don't have to give in. Scarcity, not enough love to go around. There's been so much of this. Uh, I couldn't tell you the people dealing with this. Uh, a friend of mine got an outstanding son. He's a great, he's the catch. He married the catch. They both are. But her, his mother... First of all, his dad came to see me and said, I want you to come see us. I want you to explain something to her. This terrible is eating her alive. I said, what is it? Our daughter-in-law won't have much to do with her. Our daughter-in-law doesn't like to be around her. It's hard for us to enjoy everything because of the way she is by my wife. Did you come explain that? I said, I think so. Seen a lot of it. Really? I said, yeah, this common is breathing. He said, well, come up. So I drove up, went in their house. She's big eyed. I said, this is terrible for her. I don't know. I'm doing everything I know to do. I buy her everything you can think of and do this and do that. They got all the money and do whatever they want. I said, it ain't got anything to do with that. Well, it isn't. What is it? I said, it ain't about you. It's about her. She sees him for the catch that he is. He is so mannerly. He's so nice. He works. He brings home a lot of money. He loves her. He loves those children. He loves everything. He's a catch. And she has a scarcity mentality. She doesn't think that there's enough love for him to love you and her too. She's the one that feels insecure. She's afraid she's going to lose the guy. She said, well, that ain't going to happen. I said, we know that, but she don't know that. She's living in fear. 
you're a competitor. When we have a scarcity mentality, we don't think there's enough to go around. So she hates the one. It's, it's crazy, and it happens a lot until they figure it out. What do you suggest? The biggest thing is don't respond to it. She treats you ugly, you treat her nice. She says something, you respond in a low tone of voice, out of a heart of love. They need to pick up, this can work anywhere, they need to pick up the fact the way they're acting and the way they're doing has zero effect on you. Zero effect on you. We could run a whole CD with these kind of stories. Get rid of the scarcity. There's plenty of everything. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of love. The Lord is just pouring it all over us. But if I have a scarcity mentality and I'm insecure, I'm going to criticize you. I'm going to try to destroy you in the eyes of the one that I feel insecure with. I said, baby, it is not about you. It's all about them. He feels like that if he loves you, he doesn't have enough left for me. Get it. Be bigger than that. Get over it. Do away with the criticism. Thank you.